0: Before the Rings of Power, there were the Silmarils. Before Sauron, there was his master, Morgoth. Before Aragorn and Arwen, there was Beren and Luthien. Welcome to Window on the West, where we explore all the ages of Tolkien's Middle-earth. With your hosts, Jonathan Watson, Michael Grumbine,
1: and Dan Coase. Hey everyone, welcome back to Window on the West. I am here with my friends Michael Grumbine and... Dan Coates over there and we are in three different time zones but yet we still get together every week to talk Tolkien and it's a good Mm. thing because what can be better maybe reading Chesterton times together and smoking a cigar but hey if we can't do that corporately right now we'll take this so anyway (laughs) anyway anyway good to see you guys it's been it's been a week good to see you Uh, too man good to see you guys nice to have you all have you all back. Um, today, as we get started, we're going to get into the second half of, of the return of the Noldor. Well, second or the last third of it, I guess. So uh, go through all those uh, interesting changes in there, and, or not changes so much as where everybody goes and where everybody's settling and how long it takes. Kind of a lot going on in a short chapter, but I think we've come to accept that in the Silmarillion that a lot goes on in these short chapters sometimes, or these short parts. There's like, hey, there's 500 years gone all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, he's okay. shifting Tolkien's shifting now to do a more of a historical narrative. So we jump a bunch of years, and um, for him to give us a sort of outline, and he's going to yeah. dig back in on certain
1: details. Before we jump into all that, though, we have all that is gold does not glitter. And this week, uh, I'm sorry for your for you audio-only listeners. We're doing something that's a little more uh, visual. So if you want to if you want to check this out. Check it out on YouTube. Uh, we're also on Rumble now, so you can go to Rumble. Uh, I think it's just uh, rumble.com slash the one ring com, like all one word, like the URL, but all one word. Uh, so you can do that. Um, or I'll put links below for these things that we're going to be looking at and discussing. Uh, but first, I'm gonna, uh, here's, here's a little teaser of what we're going to be talking about. Um, earlier this week, uh, I had some fun with rings of power quotes and artificial intelligence. Meaning how, how <laughs> art is generated artificially by phrases that you can put in. And so I put in these phrases from the Rings of Power for fun to see what it would generate. And I played with it a little bit more and I kind of threw in some styles and like you can say in the style of John Howe. And I've, I've gotten a little bit more proficient in how to do these things. But uh, what you see on the screen here is the quote, a dog may bark at the moon, but he cannot bring it down. And that was a kind of cool one. Like it's a it's a moon with clouds, very stylistic. There's almost these almost like a, a rounded rocks that this dog in a distance, the silhouette dog, is sitting on. Yeah, it's almost
0: like the moon, the, the moon, the clouds are transforming into the rocks that he's sitting on.
1: <laughs> What's funny is the AI generated art is far better than the phrase itself. Come on.
2: (laughs) So that was what we came up with. Maybe that's how they wrote Rings of Power. They just had AI generate everything. That's right. I would not be surprised.
1: Actually here's here's the second one. Uh, oh, boy. Do you know why a ship floats and a stone cannot? Because a stone sees only downward, and it's a picture of a of an of like a Pixar style sailboat above a Pixar style rock. So uh, you can check that. out. This is all with, on our, uh, our my Twitter profile.
2: Big googly eyes But big googly nice. eyes. Yeah, and
1: I and I admit on this one I I did tell it to do it in Pixar style, which is what it came up with, and I thought this is pretty awesome. This looked great. It made me laugh really hard when I'm for we're Jeff all going to sure be replaced already. by AI. <laughs> and then the last one here. <laughs>
2: what is going on there
1: this is this is the phrase give me the meat and give it to me raw Uh. and it's like two guys (laughs) and a like at what looks like you know like a cheap italian restaurant one guy without a shirt something is super weird with his chest i have no idea what's going on it's the raw meat there's raw meat behind it but what really freaks me out is these crazy heads it's stuck behind them in the upper right i have no idea what they're doing with that—that that was absolutely crazy. So, in the spirit of generating things uh, with uh, artificial intelligence and art, uh, and I'm using MidJourney <laughs> in case anybody wants to try this out. It's MidJourney.com, and because I'm having so much fun, I paid for the subscription because it was—it was pretty awesome. So, I'm going to show you. Here's the thing: I'm going to show wow, you that's um, a fiction. few different images. Uh, from relatively w- very well-known quotes from the Lord of the Rings that this thing generated. So okay. I want you to guess what they are uh, and we'll see if you can guess the phrase. Dan, you're, you're, you should get most of these. So Maybe there's these one are, that's a little bit harder. From the Lord of the Rings. All,
2: these are all Tolkien from the Lord of the Rings?
1: These are all Tolkien from the Lord of the Rings. Okay. What I did is I took the exact right. uh, phrase and I put it up and I wanted to see what it would generate with the exact phrase. So this is the first image. Can you guess what the phrase is? If one of you wants to maybe describe the image, feel free to. Uh,
0: the image looks like a version of the one ring sitting on a um, some kind of parchment with lettering behind it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there are there's script inside and outside the ring glowing. So it's a gold ring. Now it's a, not quite as simple as the one ring is portrayed mm-hmm. But uh, it is—it's clearly like the One Ring, and it's got mm. fiery letters, yeah, inside and out.
1: So, 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 Dan, do you want to guess what this phrase is that I used to generate this image?
2: Um, hmm.
1: Or Michael, one of you guys can jump in. they're—they're so, they're, they're not hidden. They're phrases that are made popular by the film, probably. Or by the movie itself, or that people would tattoo on themselves. I, I mean, is, probably, it, is, is is?
2: Go ahead, Daniel. Yeah. Uh, I would probably guess just one ring to rule them all. That's it.
1: Yep. One ring did to I rule get them it? All. Yeah. All right. I did the whole phrase. One ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness bind them. And it generated nope.
0: this. Now, what's interesting about that? I mean, look, it's, this is so. This is clearly a contest of can you think like an AI is, is what, we're, <laughs> what we're doing here. Um, so, so how a, robotic a, are you? How we? artificial are we? So, so the answer is we're quite artificial, apparently. <laughs> yes. But, but the what's interesting to me is that there's nothing inherent in that phrase because I was thinking about that. That was the first phrase that came to mind. Nothing inherent in that phrase though that would come up with these flowing fiery letter scripts on on no. an, on a gold ring which means right. that that phrase is connected with the lord of the rings in the ai right it has to be yeah because no it, there's, it goes out no across. The in a no way for it to generate this kind of a right. thing
1: it looks if, at other images that are associated with that phrase and this right. is what it's found no. right so. all right so um n- now we go into something that's those these phrases are less connected with with the lord of the rings but still interesting uh and and they should be they're memorable you you'd recognize them once i tell you what they are if you can't figure it out so this is the next one right here um <laughs> i don't want to describe because i don't want to give it away to you maybe one of you wants to describe it
2: yeah there's some uh it's there, a highway it looks like there's a highway and there's uh some some hills and a uh, mm-hmm. kind of a sunset or a sunrise or yeah
1: and i it's a it's a unique what did you say i don't know what style this is this is very like. 60s 50s almost art right a Little
0: pop art ish right it, it is it does have that sort of pop art from the 50s yeah
1: but uh i didn't tell it that it just decided that on its own hmm. okay you,
2: you got this dan i think i know what it is but uh my my guess would be the road goes ever on and on
1: perfect that's exactly what it was i didn't change anything that's a phrase i put in i
2: just it it just came up with this i'm I'm a calvinist so i think like a robot (laughs) 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 oh that's excellent
1: Oh man all right okay next one you guys are good all right here we go this is also from the lord of the rings Hmm. um michael do you want to describe this one then
0: um we have rolling green hills in the foreground um uh, Disappear well, well, rolling on into a watercolor type background, um, which is a silhouette of mountains, mm, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it has it's very watercolory feel with clouds and uh, mist I, over the hills. I
1: don't know if you can see, but I think like right here, right in the middle, right there, that's almost like they put a deer there. <laughs> it was like that little Whoa, thing. Whoa, you're right. Yeah. Something is definitely there. Random. I didn't tell it to put a deer there you know it comes up with with weird things sometimes hmm.
0: so is this a something to do with the journey to the misty mountains
1: no no hmm. it doesn't
0: um, it's in
2: it's in the lord of the rings it's not it's the in the lord of the rings oh oh, yes. oh is this the this is the
0: um uh the green lands to a far sunrise yeah very good okay. wow. yeah
1: um, and it said twice i think in lord of the rings uh I know Gandalf says it. Swift uh, green. A far green country under a swift sunrise. Under a swift sunrise. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and this is what I came up with. I'm like, wow, that, that is very beautiful. <laughs> it is a far green country, and there's a sun rising in the background with some mountains. And it did a I had job. a
0: recent, it's really interesting that we're doing this, because without any priors, um, we had a friend of our, one of my daughters stay with us uh, for a few Mm -hmm. days in the last week she's an artist does her own art and i brought up to her this the question about ai art now what what how does she what's her take on it so we had a really interesting discussion about that um if in my question in my provocative style was if you know without any insult intended if the ai art gets better and better which it no doubt will because Mm -hmm. we we sink so much time and resources into um bettering our our technology nowadays Um, and AI can consistently come up with beautiful images. Why do we need artists anymore?
1: Hmm. I tell you right now, the AI art is really wonky though. I know it is, uh, it's, uh, but it uh,
0: won't be that way forever.
1: Yeah. Well, there's, there's still something missing. Like here, here's the problem though is because, well, now we're getting super philosophical, but because, um, art has become meaningless in the study of it, especially Hmm. in the 20th century. AI art can be just as good as anything else since there is there's is no def- definitive notion of excellence anymore in art like it can be anything. And so right. you're seeing some of this stuff and you're like, wow, this is way better than anything I've ever seen come from, you know, Dadaism or Jackson Pollock or any of those guys because it it truly is far more interesting." I mean, that picture of the two guys uh you know give me the meat and give it to me raw i was like like <laughs> it, so it looks so weird but it's like it, it it would be something that somebody probably could have drawn at some point and you'd been like yeah, uh, uh, well what is the meaning of that burnt look on his chest and like we can read so into that so anyway. the way i describe
0: ai art now is that it has a, a visual stream of consciousness feel to it so hmm. that there's there's a way when you have a stream of consciousness dialogue or piece in literature, where it's just these sort of dreamlike random thoughts that pop in that don't, that don't, um, and elements in it where there's a generally compelling image, but then oddities to it. Hmm. And that's the yeah. way i uh way i think of it now but i agree but i think yeah, it's gonna it, get better
1: it does a great job with landscapes right now if you tell mm-hmm. it like you can give it some great commands and you can tell it like to be photorealistic and to render things out and and um as almost like an inspiration for certain things like if you're trying to get inspired to do something it, it's not a bad idea sometimes you just put a phrase in there and just see what it comes up with and go in mm-hmm. go with it it's still just ultimately i don't think it'll it can never replace real art because i believe that there is more than just um reference and um and analytic data within what's created by art there like by a person i think there's more to it like you can, like uh, i don't know and right, we'll see okay but this is a whole nother podcast we have to start apparently yeah. so let's move on let's move on <laughs> to the uh that's number four we have two more all right so so this is um oh, that's number three this is the fourth one um this one's pretty cool and uh i'll tell you it's a picture of a, a of a kid Oh, it looks like um, a staircase moving up into a spiral of a clock. Uh, and there's something on the ground. It looks like a folded piece of paper next to him. Any ideas? It's a little harder.
0: Is this from the scene of Sam going up the stairs of Curithungal?
1: No. No. Mm-hmm. No. It is a phrase. I'll, I'll give you another hint. It is a phrase spoken by Gandalf
0: oh okay <laughs> uh, go ahead dan if you got it if you got it i'm gonna
2: um
1: and the the clock is a big giveaway yeah
2: mm-hmm. that's something to do with time uh, d- does gandalf say something about like so do all who live to see such time yeah or something yeah, like that? yeah it
1: was close yeah it's right before that it says uh, all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is it's given right
0: to us. technically it's right after yeah it's the yeah, following it's right phrase He says so do all uh, all we yeah.
2: have to do is decide so I have a question to. about AI art because I, I it, it seems like it's just been recent that this is like a new phenomenon that like all of a sudden there's just AI art generating programs everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, have they have I, I guess these programs have been have been they've been working on these for a while. I guess like yeah. I, I just started seeing it like a few weeks ago.
1: Um, they've been around for a y- like the, only recently have you been able to do it yourself. Like it's exactly. Been, oh, okay. um,
2: the the apps
0: are about a year to two years old at the oldest. Um, for public use, but yes, they've yeah. been working on it for a long time, but I think, I think they've got to the stage where they're starting to think about commercializing it all yeah. different companies. So they're, they're building apps well, with that.
1: Yeah. And I'm using it, um, not just for fun like this, but I also use it for, for sometimes screenshots and things like that. And it's gotten really good. And so what you know is when you generate it, there's no copyright to it because mm-hmm. it's it now the mid journey can use it who I use it, who the company, the, the. The system that i use they can they have access to it and i have access to it but i can't like i can even put it on a shirt and make money from it if i really wanted to Hmm. um but but there's no license that i have to pay there's no royalty fee so that's a nice thing about it okay so next one uh this here might be a little bit harder this is a picture of a person uh a woman i guess looking off it looks like she's at the top of a cave Looking far away, looking away, and there's a silhouette of brightness be- in front of her. I don't know what, what I don't, I don't know how do I describe this. And there are two things standing to her left ab- at the, at, at, on the stairs. Two figures of a sort. Mm. This one's hard.
0: I don't know this one. This is yeah,
1: yeah. This one I knew would be hard because it had a hard time figuring out what to what to do with it. And I ran it a few times to try and get something that would be appropriately hmm. more interesting. Because the others were I, just
2: even worse. I would guess that this is Galadriel. And the the looking... Uh...
1: It is not Galadriel. It's another okay. female from The Return of the King. What happens in Return oh, of the King. Oh, is it
0: looking Eowyn looking over the battlements of, uh, of Minas Tirith?
1: Closer. It is Eowyn, but it's not looking over the battlements of Minas Tirith. It's a phrase she says. Oh, her most yeah. famous phrase...
0: You mean besides, I am no man?
1: There you go. But no living man am I. You look upon a woman. What? That's yeah. the... That, the... That's what it generated. Oh, <laughs>
0: the whole one—no living man am I. You look upon a woman. Yeah. So they have the no living men off to the left in those I figures. Guess. I <laughs> guess
1: that's kind of crazy. I um, don't know. I don't like know. like
0: huh. wraith like yeah things. Yeah, interesting.
1: Yeah, and like a big giant mosquito floating, floating right there. I guess or butterfly Fly mosquito, mosquito thing. <laughs> All right, last one. This is I a, think r- very funny. This is uh, this is maybe the coolest one. Uh, let's, let's see if you guys get this one. Wow. Um, How do you describe
0: this one? There's a beam of light coming down from the heavens into a narrow canyon. Um, and in the foreground closer to us, there look like posts, a variety of posts in the canyon, Mm -hmm. um, with a tether or a rope across one of them. Right. Um, and it's up against the wall. So the whole thing is up against the wall of yeah. this canyon.
1: Yeah. It's, this one was very unique. I, I have no idea how it generated this from the phrase that I got. it. Like, I, 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 I kind of do. Uh, should I give you a hint?
0: Is it the Sam um, no, quote about no. far, uh, light and far?
2: Mm-hmm. Nope. Nope. Far no, not the Sam quote. I'm going to guess you just typed in Paths of the Dead.
1: No. Not no. Paths of the Dead. Okay. This, uh, it happens in Fellowship of the Ring, both in the film and in the books. It happens before they get to Lorien. I mean,
0: is this, this isn't the
1: doors of the Moria, is it? It's not the doors of Moria. It does happen in Moria.
2: It's a phrase. Fly, huh. you fools.
1: You're awfully <laughs> no. close. If I, were, if I were playing hot and cold with my kids, I'd you, say really so hot. So,
2: you, you shall not pass. <laughs> there it is. Kay. You shall not pass. All right.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is what I came up with. You shall, you not, shall pass. not
0: pass. You shall not pass. Mm-hmm. how weird i mean i guess it's like you're walking a, in a direction but then there's no way to pass this point but where did the light come from i
1: have no idea i only th- thing i can think of is maybe the, the 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 balrog's whip right and somehow it it and and uh and the light of of uh of Gandalf's staff and when they fight in their pictures that it's on the internet from the film mm. of the two of them fighting and saying you shall not pass yeah i guess that's right I, but... I, it's the only thing i can think of but then the the funny thing is those two posts with a rope like walking off the <laughs> the light that was like i guess you're not gonna pass this place right
0: oh, it's, it's, it's kind of funny it's though be like something you find on some sort of public trail where <laughs> they've closed the trail off and it's like there's this rope saying don't go any further
1: yeah but it shows like when you say you shall not pass you say that to somebody you're like oh i understand that you mean i'm not going to pass this point it has something to do with barring my way to get somewhere right hmm. So very if you cool. had somebody to draw that, you would have. they probably wouldn't come up with this. They would try. To, they would actually understand what you shall not pass I means, just in the same way we've said, but no living man am I. You look upon a woman and be like, well, I don't know if I'd have a woman standing at the top of the stairs with two black and silhouettes of dead guys next to her to the left or something like that. Mm. Anyway. It's
2: very literal.
1: Very literal. Very literal. And it, and it, it did for some reason, because it's copying something directly, apparently. It threw in a uh, fake little uh, uh, artist's signature in the bottom right. <laughs> I don't know why. just did. Wow. So... That's
0: weird. Oh, so that, that's, that was just generated by it.
1: That was just generated by it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not, it's not actually words. Like it's, it, it does this sometimes where it actually will go in and, uh, and I'm trying to zoom in. Well, I am no
0: artist. So my AI artist brain is
2: not very good at this stuff. Like what visual (laughs) You guys
1: got most of them.
2: Maybe the, maybe the AI is becoming sentient and that's, that's its name.
0: Well, that's no doubt what people are going to claim, but. (laughs) but i'm afraid that all we really have here is is a bunch of, it's a it's a rehash and this came out in the discussion that i had with the artists that stayed with us is there's there's a couple elements to true art i agree with you jonathan that uh that in our current age we don't know what art is and so people think art is anything subjective that they feel like putting their time to um yeah. or or showing it as art calling art and it makes you feel something but that's not the Ancient and uh, long treasure definition across cultures, which has something more to do with the imitation of nature, where where hmm. we t- an artist takes things in nature, takes pieces out, puts them together, and then adds sub creates adds visual sub creation to that. So they part of art is always sort of reflective of and borrowed from creation from the world around us, and part of art is our is our own um, modification of that. Mm-hmm. All AI art will ever be is a replica of the first part of that definition hmm. even at its best all it will ever be is is human um a mishmash of hum, right. other human images and, and and that that are related to the concept to that un, to the, un, those words
1: until it becomes sentient like dan said it already is
0: right well then and, and then and then it takes over the world and, and there's no more humans so we don't <laughs> so who cares at that so
1: who cares about art yeah yeah well I, I mostly agree with that definition, but I don't think we should get into it right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's not what we're about? We're, no, that's 20, not what we're about. We're 20 because minutes we're, in and we haven't said a single oh gosh, word about okay. the Okay, I hope you
1: guys enjoyed that because that was a super <laughs> huge detour into a world of, of, of nihilism, but quite fun nihilism because... does does. Did A- AR actually mean anything, or is it just nihilist? Anyway, okay. Um, can, I, can I break down our chapter, the second half of our chapter? How about, before you do that... Oh, right. Sorry. We have to get into...
2: Dad's Big Thought. Thanks for that intro, Jonathan.
1: You're very welcome. I'm um, happy to help. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's so, what he's here for. So my big thought, if I could sum it up, I, this this part of this chapter, you kind of have two things. You have um doomsday preppers and you have dragon so <laughs> i like you, it you have two elves that fall asleep by the water it's turgon and finrod and apparently olmo has no problem communicating or talking to them uh the, the, he he gives them like troubled dreams and they wake up and they go oh man things are going to go bad. I got I to gotta get ready. I got I to gotta go buy my bunker. I got to get a ham radio. I got to get canned goods and Twinkies and radiation tablets and guns and ammo. I got to get ready because the apocalypse is coming. I, I got to, you know, I got to bury all my gold. Um, so they, they, they just wake up and they're like, man, I, and they don't talk to each other about this, but they just both realize like impending doom is coming. I have to go get ready. And uh, so then they, uh, Tolkien kind of relays how they they go off and they found these cities. Um, I think one of them is called Nagrathond Is that, does that sound right?
1: Nargothond.
2: N- Nargothond. Nar- mm-hmm. Nargothond. Yeah. Nargothond. Nar- Nar- Nargothond. Um, yes. These, these caverns that um, his buddy Thingol uh, shows them where they are, and then uh, Turgon establishes. Uh, I think it's called Tumladen. Does that sound right?
1: Uh,
0: well, he hasn't. Well, he hasn't. Didn't the stat, we named haven't the city, right? Right. he hasn't named the city yet, but he does find a region where he's going to build the city, and, okay. and Tumladen is that region.
2: Okay, got it. So he hasn't built the city yet, but he's found a location. So you have these doomsday preppers that are like, I have to go build a fortress or a or a stronghold somewhere, and they go off and start looking into how to do that. And then at the end of the book, at the end of this chapter, you actually have a big giant fire drake come out, and uh, you have some battles with elves mm-hmm. and orcs, and so. It's, it's pretty cool. I guess, I guess Oma was right that, hey, you guys need to get ready because Morgoth has more things in, in store for you than you guys realize.
1: I, I like that. It's it's funny that uh, that you, the, the way that you phrased it. I, <laughs> I like it. I'm, I think we're done. I think that's the whole chapter. So <laughs> no, 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 I'm joking. I don't know. I don't know. Michael, do you want to also bring us into more of it? Because I, I think that's a great start where... Where you know the the whole like it's it is Turgon and Finrod that set this set this up. Whereas you know yes. the real so, Finrod, not the Finrod we were introduced.
0: to. Right. So a couple of things to say. Well, let's talk about that in a second. So, but real quick, let me give the the pillars the of what Tolkien's doing in this chapter. I agree with you 100%, Dan. What the Doomsday prepping? That's the that's the center. It's the biggest foreshadowing. It's the most important part of the chapter aside from the historic. Just like this battle happened and that battle happened. So basically, what happens is um 20 years after the sun rises and all the things that we covered in our previous episode happens um there's a big um party. So first there's a party 20 years after the sunrise and Fingolfin holds it so he's the new high king of the Noldor because the sons of uh, Fanor have ceded to him the right to rule the Noldor. Um it should have technically fallen to them but they give up their right um to him. So so they um so he holds a party, most of the elves show up, that's the green elves, the grey elves, um, a couple of the sons of Fionor and all of Fingolfin's folks. So you got Noldor, Sindar, and, and Sylvan, or Green Elves. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, after that, you have 30 years later, you have the Doomsday Dreams that Dan mentioned. And then an indeterminate time later, while the Doomsday Dreams are being played out and they're prepping, they're doing their Doomsday prep, um, then Mor- Morgoth tries to see, thinks, well, maybe they, they've. they've uh, Maybe they've, they've gone soft. And he, sends, he starts with fires and volcanic explosions and earthquakes and then sends his orcs pouring across. But the elves just trounce him in what's called uh, the Dagor of the Glorious Battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Morgoth's like, well, that didn't work. So let's wait 100 years. So he waits 100 years, and then he tries to encircle Fingolfin and come down from the grinding ice with an army of orcs. The el- elves see him and because unlike the elves of rings of power they can actually see things coming from a distance and so they just they destroy them and then he's like well that didn't work let's wait another hundred years now he didn't actually want to attack apparently after another hundred years but he was he's been creating dragons so the first dragon glaurung who is does not have wings um but he's a fire drake comes out and um does a lot of damage, but then he's driven back with elven horse archers led by the real um is it Finrod or Fingon? No, it's Fingon. It's Fingon. it's not uh, Finrod. So by Fingon and uh and then uh, Morgoth is pissed because you know he wasn't he he wanted to wait until Glauron was old, but now the surprise bit and so the elves actually create the siege of Angband. So they lay instead of giving that whole uh plane to the south of uh, Angband the distance, um, you know, just leaving it alone and waiting for Morgoth to issue forth. They actually encircle everything they can. They can't um, breach uh, the fortress of Morgoth, but they can lay siege to it. And so they do, and there's 200 years of peace. So we have a roughly 500-year cycle in this last half of the chapter that it covers. Definitely the most important thing in this chapter is, uh, the chapter is what Dan mentioned, which is the foreshadowing about the doom to come and Olmo taking a direct hand and warning two of the elves um, about it so
1: well what so in in all that like that's what stood out to you in this chapter outside of you know that they're preparing for everything I guess what it stood out to me um is that it 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 lays out the major fortresses the major yeah, this is a ch- yeah, that's a good way of putting it. It's the chessboard is now is now being set out. So you've got um, the the major the major the major royal areas. I'm trying to think of this. Thing. My my mind is broken. It's the end of the day. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so you've got Thingol in Menegroth, right? You've got that one big area. You've got Nargothrond. You've got uh, uh, the that's being built, and then eventually you will have uh, Gondolin, which is where Turgon is, and these three major fortresses, these strongholds, are. Uh, have their major roles to play in the upcoming stories and i and, and and you only know that because i've i've read through it a number of times in the future but to see it all played out here i kind of forgot that like okay this is the point at which now they they lay it all out now we're ready to go we're ready to move forward that. and then we also see glaurong for the first time it's kind of like hey yeah there's a dragon they don't throw <laughs> any wings but he comes <laughs> into play later in a much much greater story my favorite story of the whole marillion um that's wow. what stood about to me in this chapter there's right. the, well yeah yeah it is more so cool. than Baron and Luthien, I know. I'm wow! All right. But did, what what stood out to you as as the most like uh, Dan had his big thought, and and there is you know the 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 friendship between Fingon, uh, Fing, Finrod and Turgon, essentially the uh, lords of Nargothrond and what will be Gondolin these major strongholds. Mm-hmm. But what stood out to you? Yeah.
0: So a few details stood out to me. First of all. Tolkien is really concerned with, I mean, okay, so there's, it's really interesting. It's unlike anything Hollywood would do. Um, the, the power of the Noldor is overwhelming here. So these are, remember, these are just one of the elven races from Valinor and they're shown time and again to be superior to any, to, to all the armies of Morgoth. Now Morgoth himself doesn't leave his, his fortress. So he's not going to engage except one last time in battle or I guess two last times, but um, but he doesn't come forth here. He doesn't send his Balrogs, so they don't have to deal with that. So all these armies of orcs, and then even the young dragon, the Noldor handle. So it seems like you got 400 years of this. That's a long time, um, not for elves, but it's a long time for in general. It's 400 years, and... You have this situation where Tolkien is set, setting us up for the next tragedy. <laughs> you know the 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 um, the dreams that come mm. are all about how the good times never last, and that's what one of the things. Aside from the fact you can always count on someone singing something in Tolkien, and and he didn't let us down at the very end of the last sentence of this chapter. The gray elves are singing, so you know mm. someone always mm-hmm. sings.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but besides that, the good and the beautiful are real in Tolkien's world, but they are always um, passing away. And so, and so we're, we're being set up for the tragedy to come.
1: <clears throat> so, but they're, 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 not, they're not building something brand new. They're not creating Moria. They're not creating Menegroth. They're not building the city upon a hill. They're, they're just going with what they know already instead of creating something new. I don't know what that says about them other than hmm. um, they, they, they miss what they had still. Maybe that's a, a part of it that you could you could say. Well,
0: well, it's, it's, that's really interesting. Just riffing on that for a second, Jonathan. Yeah. So Nargothrond is based directly on Menagroth. So and yes, Menagroth was told to us as the greatest of these subterranean and palaces and and places that the world will ever see. Basically, it's this unbelievable right. um, underground fortress and realm, which is just stunning. And it, it, would put, it would
1: put Moria to shame. It would put idea.
0: Moria to shame easily, and and Moria at its height. And so, Nargathon is just a pale imitation. And then you have Turgon who goes and does a pale imitation of Tyrion, the city of Tyrion. Mm-hmm. Now it's still going to be a great city because it's the greatest that Middle Earth has, has will have seen up to this point, um, which is in Gondolin. But mm-hmm. doesn't that just re- Isn't doesn't that just reinforce what's what's always going on in Tolkien, which is what came before is always the best and the highest, and then Mm. things that come after are reflections and they're not as good, Um, and reflections and not as good, and then we're going to have the works of so now we have the works of the Noldor, which are just reflections of the higher works of the Valar, um, or the works of the Maiar in the case of Melian and and um, and uh, the dwarves and Thingol, and then after the Noldor is going to come the men and the men of numenor and what they have will be great but not as great as what came before and then you're going to have the men of the later years and so you just and then the dwarves moria itself is a reflection of nargothrond and um and uh menegroth so yeah i I, I think i think it's those echoings the sort of diminishing Mm -hmm. echoes over the ages for tolkien where everything beautiful and good diminishes and is echoed down through time
1: yeah yeah that makes sense that makes sense i hadn't thought of it in that way i i, I like you that you you bring that up again because i'd forgotten that is and if, if you go back to our one of our earlier episodes uh i can't remember it probably has to do with fan Fe- when we talk about how you know even even the hobbits the the best swords that they got the best weaponry was the elven weaponry that they had uh, received from the uh the the trolls the, the troll horde
0: yeah, Orcrist and Glamdring, and Glamdring um, yeah. in, the, in the book *The Hobbit* were from Gondolin, and so they were the best things that were around. Um, and but that we f- we find in this chapter that Gondolin is just a well, we don't it isn't called Gondolin yet, but it's going to be Gondolin um, is is itself just a reflection of what's in Tyrion in the in the in the land of the Valar. So anyway, it's um it's it, it's a reminder as Tolkien always does. There was another detail that I wanted to talk about, but Dan, did you have any thoughts about that?
2: Yeah, I'm wondering what um, what that says about Tolkien, um, just in general, that he thinks that the the greater things came before. Um, I'm like, what what what, where he's coming from in terms of like, is, is he making a statement about us, uh, where what we find ourselves? Because like, clearly he didn't have cell phones, he didn't know about all the cool stuff that we have now. Like, you know social media like twitter i mean the height we're doing of human great, civilization right?
1: and communication He'd be mightily
2: yeah. impressed
0: by twitter yeah
2: do you, do you think he would look at our modern civilization that's that's progressed since 1970 whatever and 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 go like yeah things are getting worse like
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> would he yes, say I that yeah he...
1: absolutely i mean he hated the encroachment of all technology into the yeah. countryside right he hated that he was a monarchist as well. Like a, a, a benevolent monarchy would be yeah. the best kind of, uh, uh, ruling, uh, uh, government. So yeah, I don't, I don't think he would have any love for the world that we live in now. Right.
0: Well, and that's an ancient tradition. So Socrates thought so too, that there, there should be a, that, that the king was the high, the middle ages were full of that. Um, but even so, like the, the idea of a benevolent monarch, he has he holds it up as an ideal but he also whenever we see a monarch we see their failings and he's very clear at showing us that even the great monarchs um are not perfect mm. so he has this continual um shade over his world where there is a kind of diminishment and darkness and entropy that's happening continually he's very aware of that that cycle of of the world i think there's a sadness in the way he portrays middle earth in that regard and I guess to go even deeper than that, I would suspect, and, and this this would be a much larger discussion, but I would suspect that there's something of his Christian mythos in this yeah. too, because what comes first, you know, the 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 um, created being, you know, the the children of Luvatar were best when they were young, and then over time. Um, they just like Adam and Eve over time, they diminish and and they're in, in their mistakes and tragedies um, and sin. Uh, the world gets darker. And so I, I, I think that that's that's kind of one of his enduring themes um, hmm. down through the ages. But he nevertheless insists upon beauty and goodness. He doesn't it doesn't do for him what it does for some of the nihilists and the skeptics of our modern age, where the continual degradation of accomplishment and goodness makes people, some people despair for Tolkien. It didn't make him despair. Um, but he didn't look away from it. That's for sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, Hey, things are getting worse and worse. That's the reality. Therefore hang on to what's good and what's true and what's beautiful as opposed to things are getting worse and worse. So just give up and right. Yeah. Just, just embrace the entropy or whatever. Stick,
0: yep. Stick your head in the sand until the, the the wave oh, yeah. of, of an entropy washes over
2: <clears throat> or what's um, what's
1: the phrase the the arrow of history always points
2: toward the good the, or something the arc, like that? arc, of, arc history of history always bends towards justice yeah
1: which there's
0: a lot of yeah, i mean as as christians in the ultimate sense i think that's true yes. yeah but in the in the immediate history of any given time that doesn't ne- isn't necessarily true right. um right. and right. and so so yeah there's 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 something very deep in the way he portrays his world, hmm. so the uh, theor- the um, the detail I wanted to talk about was Galadriel and Finrod. So we've seen much of Galadriel and Finrod, or in the in this the travesty of the Rings of Power. What I found fascinating about the second half of the chapter is it tells us a good deal, not just what Dan mentioned about Finrod and his dream, followed by the the fashioning of Nargothrond, this underground haven for the elves. Um. But also that um, we we learn something about Galadriel well before you know the War of Wrath in all this, mm-hmm. which is we learn that she um assist she's sister um to Finrod, but she comes with when Finrod goes to Thingol and Melian in their for, in their forest of Doriath, and Finrod learns from Thingol about the existence of these potential caves that could turn into his haven that he has in mind. Galadriel stays in Doriath. She does not go with Finrod um, after that because she falls in love with Celeborn. She meets Celeborn, she falls in love with him, and then she stays long. It says it says here, um, Galadriel, his sister, went not with him to Nargothron, for in Doriath dwelt Celeborn, th- kinsman of Thingol, and there was great love between them. Therefore she remained in the Hidden Kingdom and abode with Melian. Remember, Melian is the only embodied Meyer on middle earth right now in the land of lands of middle earth
1: mm-hmm.
0: um sorry the only good embodied maiar mm-hmm. sauron i guess is an embodied maiar that's in he's in angband but um in the sword of the balrogs all right uh sorry i had to, i need to finish with that therefore she remained in the hidden kingdom and abode with Melian, and of her that's of Melian, learned great lore and wisdom concerning Middle-earth. So what's fascinating to me, to contrast it with the travesty that we recently watched with Rings of Power, is that she, um, she, we see here a change in Galadriel's character. What do we know about Galadriel? We don't know very much before this, but we, we remember maybe back when she decides to come to Middle-earth. She doesn't take the vows of the sons of Feanor, but she does go with them to Middle-earth. Why? because she desires to rule a realm for herself so there's a there's a um a kind of low um purpose to that Mm -hmm. right she she desires (laughs) a land and and ruling on her own um it's not perhaps the lowest of all inclinations but it's it's not it's not a high and virtuous thing one would say um and now but now she she in fact changes in this passage she Stays long with the one Mayar, um in of good Maiar in Middle Earth, and she for a long time, and she learns great lore and wisdom. So this is Galadriel's arc. She actually becomes different here, which is fascinating to me because the whole purpose so, told by us, told by the Rings of Power showrunners, is that they wanted to show um, apparently a thirteen-year-old Galadriel um, who, nevertheless, is thousands of years old. But but that they wanted her to have an arc. Um, where she she becomes the Galadriel that eventually I guess and over the five seasons that were that we've we come to know, but that's not how it happens. Galadriel is already that way um, by the by the time of the Second Age. So
1: anyway, so what you're saying is she doesn't change because she fell in love with Sauron and then he <laughs> betrayed her. Is that what you're saying? Because I thought that would... they're very faithful yeah. to Tolkien. Did, did yeah. you know how oh, man! Yeah, I am sure glad we're going through the Silmarillion and even these yeah. little bits, you know. But they didn't have the license to this. What What can you say? They only had well,
0: the... <laughs> so yeah, it's fair, Jonathan. They didn't have the license. But if I was made like, what if we were making rings it's, of power? What if we had mistake. gotten the rights, no. right? No.
1: Yeah, what would you do? No, I know. Like well, well, you, you would had know.
0: Got, if you no. gotten the rights, if you were working for Amazon, they hired us. Let's say they hired these these three. All, mm-hmm. all of us jokers um jokers. so sure i mean i, mean, I joke dad <laughs> okay, jokes on, mostly <laughs> but uh yeah um there's if we had been working for amazon and had been charged with laying out the structure of what kind of um, work it was to be and we were told hey look we don't have the rights to the silmarillion so you can't make anything happen specifically that happens in the silmarillion or, or we're going to get creamed legally so but what, what would you do? I know what I would do, but I'm, I'll ask you guys. What would you do?
1: Well, I, I think the problem How would the same... you portray Galadriel? Well, no, no, no. This, this is the same problem I had with Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, is that when you change uh, the character, it changes the story. And so I would stick with the character, because if you can at least hew closely to the character and the way that it was originally written, your story should follow suit. And you would believe that the character is the character. Even if it's a new story you made up, you will have the character that was established already, and that's that's what they did not do. So I would go back and I would look through how Tolkien talked about uh, Galadriel and go through all these, those quotes. And I would say, like, hmm, Galadriel is not some, uh, like you said, a petty 13-year-old who gets all emotional and tries to then manipulate people into doing the horrible things that she wants them to do. She actually learned wisdom and she went through many different trials. And she had a husband and a daughter and these kinds of things at that point in time. So right, yeah. I'd get the right. character right yeah. first.
0: Yeah. He- Exactly, because you can portray, without breaking copyright, you can portray a gladriel that has, since her time arriving in Middle Earth, has changed. Yeah. You can portray that. And I, I can't remember yeah. what, if anything, from the appendices refers refers to this time frame in the, the first stage. I don't think much of the appendices refers to the these kind of details in the first stage. Yeah. I think it was yeah, a
1: mistake I mean, to make... Oh, go, ahead, go ahead, Dan.
2: We, we've had this conversation before, but yeah, even if you can't get all the details right in making an adaptation you you can be true to the spirit of of what That's like right. you were saying get the character right don't don't change the characters cuz they they made, they made these changes and they're they're all awful and they're yeah. all and, and they and they in the the character arcs that they weave in the in the show it, it's almost like schizophrenic it's like i have no idea why this character would choose yeah. to do this in this situation because you haven't established that the character would do that it's yeah. it's well, very weird
1: yeah, the 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 one thing I would say the 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 mistake they made which they had they had all this stuff from even this chapter here in the Silmarillion, they had this information about the characters and they they decided that they would make Galadriel their main character and that was the mistake because if you make a main character they have to have some sort of character arc and if the arc is so wide that you can't see it happening, that's a problem. They should have made probably Muriel, the the main character and all the trials that she goes through, because we don't know a lot about them, but we know she was forced to marry somebody and she worked with the faithful in order to essentially help them uh, survive. So they could have had a character with an arc that started off perhaps, you know, uh, on the wrong side of history there. And then moved her into that. They could have done something like that. They didn't because they, they had to have fan service and, and put Galadriel in there. Anyway, anyway, yeah. Yeah, no, so, I agree.
0: I agree. Start with the characters. Make sure the characters don't change. I yeah. agree with
1: that. That's good. Yeah. Um, the other things in this chapter, though, uh, one thing that stuck out to me was um, that that one little teasing line of Finrod Felagund was not the first to dwell in the caves beside the River Narog, which dun, isn't... Dun, dun. Yeah, which is which is... It doesn't become a major story later, but it does have a, there's a certain character later that is a part of who the, who dwelt in those caves or who knew what Finrod had done. So I like that part. I mean, I'd never noticed that before in reading this here, Mm. that it, it actually refers to essentially the story of the children of Hurin, which is my favorite story in the Silmarillion. Mm. So uh, there's that. And it brings up the Latin Alglomir, which is also a big part of it, which is the necklace of the dwarves. which becomes a major issue later too. But so it's, it's again, this is one of those chapters that sets the table that puts all those pieces out on the chessboard. Like you were saying, Dan, and really moves, moves it forward so that we can get into those stories next to now. Now that we know where everybody is now that we know there's a dragon out there and that Sauron is, or, uh, ah, Morgoth is still, uh, 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 creating armies and biding his time. And so the, the biting piece, uh, is not going to last neither between Sauron and, uh, and uh and uh the elves and the dwarves, but the elves themselves and the the sons of fanor and That's right. Know,
0: and all those Things stuff. are only getting worse from here. But first, to continue our chessboard analogy, the next chapter is gonna be all about what color the squares are on a chessboard.
1: <laughs> That's a great thing. Yeah. It's I was looking at it, I'm like, Oh yeah, this chapter. I remember reading this the first time. I was really confused after these last two chapters because there's so much in so many places. I feel like if I had a huge budget I would go out and have somebody and hire somebody to go out and like create this beautiful interactive video of where everything is and who's moving where and what's where and how's what i mean this is
0: just fancy like tolkien just loves maps and he loves and so and so this is a whole chapter devoted just to the map and what the realms look like yeah
1: so so that is the geography that we'll do next week any final shot thoughts on chapter 13 that's all i got all right yeah yeah um dan
2: I do, I do think it's interesting that Morgoth has the ability to create dragons. Like, it doesn't really specify, like, where they come from or, you know, because I, I know we've we've read before about how hmm. he has made orcs by corrupting the elves that already existed. So I, I like how there's a little bit of mystery still. Like, where do these fire drakes come from? It says Glaurung is the first of the fire drakes. But it's just fascinating to me that he has this ability to create this massive beast of a monster that, like it takes an entire army of elves to fight. It's just yes, like he has yeah. he has like his, he has his master secret plan of like all right I'm gonna get a bunch of dragons and that's how I'm gonna win. And then one of the dragons goes off and starts fighting all, but too early and too soon. Too soon. I love that detail that the dragon <laughs> just goes out to fight and it's not ready yet. Yeah. yeah and it still doesn't even
0: get it still doesn't even get killed. Um, yeah. It just they just drive it off. No, that's a good point, Dan, and brings up. So we recently. Um, as as is my want i've been reading lord of the rings to my kids um we recently read uh fangorn and in fangorn um treebeard tells the hobbits that the trolls that they've met were made in mockery of the ents so morgoth always creates in mockery of or by twisting something good um with the dragons i've had that thought before and the only um since the first model since the 1.0 dragon um or 0.1 <laughs> dragon I guess because this is the uh the untested beta model It wasn't even ready for prime time so the 0.1 version of Glaurong <laughs> that we see today um which will later become the 1.0 version of Glaurong later on um is uh is does not have wings so the first thought would be um you know fly you know an eagle maybe you know he took an eagle yeah. and twisted it or something but that that's clearly not where dragons come from the only thing that I can think is the um the monsters that existed prior to all um the the, the children of a so we're, we're told remember that or- orome has his wild hunt that comes and and scours the land from time to time slaying all the great monsters that they find so so there might have been monsters that that uh, morgoth then used to sort of breed dragons and sort of like the way the way we took wolves and turned them into different versions of dogs um he might have taken the base version of some monster and and then oh, some worm of some kind and then turned it into dragons
1: i think that makes sense i hadn't really thought about it that deeply that's why i have you guys here um <laughs> yeah i'm looking for that quote from 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 orome uh about the dragons here is this it about orome, dragons she, who, uh sorry no about um here it is Monsters. uh this is in uh which chapter is this it's a chapter yeah one. it's chapter, chapter one two um chapter one chapter one uh tolkien writes that uh and orome tamer of beasts would ride to at wilds in the darkness of the unlit forests as a mighty hunter he came with spear and bow pursuing to the death the monsters and fell creatures of the kingdom of melkor and his white horse nahar shone like silver in the shadows so right there you could say yeah it's those monsters and fell creatures and i'm sure that um morgoth has been doing what he could in order to uh accelerate their growth and uh uh amplify their monstrousness but yeah yeah,
0: yeah and when he discovers the elves he's because remember he's the valar that discovers the elves it says "In the coming of the elves it says and on a time it chanced that erome rode eastward in his hunting that's the hunting that you just referenced and he turned north by the shores of helcar and passed into the shadows of oro yeah. and Karni, the mountains of the east and then Nehar, his horse starts neighing because Nehar technically Nehar uh, discovers the elves, so the horse—it's <laughs> the horse that's responsible for it.
1: Oh man,
0: that's chapter three.
1: I, I don't accept that, Michael. I'm sorry. Whether it's the horse because who's the horse. guiding the horse? <laughs> Behind every good horse, there's an elf turning its head. Uh, right. So, all right. So we'll move on to chapter fourteen. Um, of the of Beleriand and its realms we'll do the whole chapter next week Mm -hmm. and we'll get into geography
0: geography everyone's favorite
1: it'll be fun so we'll do that next week before we close um and before uh we move on to that one i want to remind you if you get a chance give us a review on itunes and google and wherever else you listen sorry itunes do they call it anymore apple podcasts Mm-hmm. Been around too long. So yeah, podcast. yeah. G- g- you know, five-star review would be great. We'd love to get um, more folks uh, listening to us and um, and involved in the conversation because we do. We do look at comments in YouTube and we do uh, have a great discussion in our YouTube. Or, sorry, not on our YouTube, in our uh, Discord chats, uh, which is with our patrons. So you can go to theonewing.com slash patron and get information there about uh, what it takes in order to join us and to get the extended podcast, which will be coming up after we go through Uh, What are we doing? This is... uh, Oh, yeah. If you like Tolkien. So, Dan, today, it's your chance to tell us about... Today,
2: I am bringing in the Lord of of the Rings board game by Reiner Knizia. This is one of the classic... uh, This is before, like, co-op games were big. Nowadays, you can go to Target and get Pandemic, and they have, like, 20 different versions of Pandemic. Um, This is back in the days when co-op games were just not... Widely available. This is a, uh, I think it's two to five players. It's by one of the best board game designers of all time, Reiner Knizia. And uh, you you basically are cooperating together as hobbits. And I'm trying to see if I can show you guys.
1: Yeah, I'm and zoomed in. Yeah, it looks good. So
2: yeah, you've got like um, you've got like a progress board that you're trying to like cooperate. You you have a hand of cards that you have to manage, and you're all cooperating together to lay down these cards. It's pretty simple. It's abstract a little bit. You're trying to cooperate and, and, and meet the meet the board challenges, like you're trying to progress on these different mm-hmm. tracks. And uh, as you do so, you have to make decisions. Like if I do this, my character might get more and more corrupted, or it might bring um, Sauron's pawn closer and closer to the track. If Sauron ever catches the hobbit who has the ring, I think the game is over. Okay. Um, if you ever become corrupted too much, your personal character might be out of the game. So you're, making, you're constantly making decisions, and it's very thematic to Tolkien, at least, at least the story of Lord of the Rings, it's, it's very thematic because you're all cooperating together, and you're coordinating your cards to, to try to achieve the objective of destroying the ring. And you, you have these opportunities of like, I can sacrifice my character to push you over the goal line. You, you really get that, that sense of like, you know, we just got to get Frodo to Mordor. That, that's, that, that, you really get the, that, that sense in this game. It's really fun. Lord so nice.
1: that's that's an old one. I'm I'm trying to find if we can if it's actually you can buy it yeah, anymore. I might have uh, to go to eBay.
2: Yeah, this it, this printing was from Hasbro back in like the 90s or the, maybe the early 2000s it, or around when the movie came out. Okay. And uh, I think Fantasy Flight did a reprint of it recently, maybe in the last 5 to 10 years, but I think that is also out of print. But I just did a quick Google search and you can find this on eBay for 20, 30 bucks if you really right. want to give it a give it a try. I know they came out with a bunch of expansion boards and stuff to it. Like like on this one, bo- on this one, you have two double sided boards where you go through, like Helm's Deep and and uh, Mordor, Shelob's Lair, Moria. Um, but and they have like expansion boards where they have other yeah. boards you can do. They have other other mechanisms you can introduce. But really, just just the base game. That's all you need. Okay. It's it's a lot of fun.
1: Where whenever we meet up, you'll have to bring that and we can oh, yeah.
2: live stream us playing. That yes, would Ooh, that would be fun. It's very fun.
1: Sweet. Wow. Thanks. I've never actually played it. I think I had a copy of it, or I, I had a friend who had a copy of it, and we never sat down to play it. I ended up playing, I think, Star Wars Risk, which was actually a lot of fun, too. but That's cool. I need, yeah. to, I need to jump into that. Well, thanks, Dan.
0: It's a good one. Cool. I, I have a, it's been many years since I played it. We should definitely make, yeah, it's, get an excuse to play. It's yes. definitely
1: out of print. I can't find it anywhere except eBay and other uh, secondhand places. So give that a shot. I'll see if I can find any. Throw some in the links uh, below and in the show notes so uh thanks dan we're on to uh chapter 14 next week of balerian and its realms we'll do the whole thing um and then for those of you who aren't our patrons i'm sorry you can go away now we are moving on <laughs> to our patron only extended podcast where we get Bye-bye to answer the deep questions bye. of the day and go into some more details so yeah join us at the slash patron if you want to get that each episode is about another 20 to 30 minutes long uh and uh and you just get it in your podcast player without a problem you just need to log in to the site with your uh With your patron account which is four dollars a month and the first month is free so give that a shot we'd appreciate it and uh, we hope to see you there in our discord
2: chat too so we'll see you next time in chapter 14. Bye bye bye